this is the David Eagle Podcast. In 2016, I released a podcast every single day in a project called David's Daily Digital Dollop. Rather than having 366 podcast episodes just for one year alone, I thought I would condense them into these weekly omnibus editions. We're up to week 19. We're in May. This sound is a transitional sound to indicate that we are moving on to the next dollop. Enjoy. David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 130. The Young'uns. Chest Group. Another annoying thing about winning a BBC Radio 2 Folk Award, on top of the fact that it results in a poor quality dollop the following day due to tiredness after partying, is that it leads to some really bland and uninspiring interviews. In the pre-Folk Award days, we would be asked interesting questions that could generate stories and entertaining answers. But now that we've won the Folk Award, most journalists or radio presenters will immediately pluck for So how does it feel to win the best group prize at the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards? And what is there to say in response to that? It is great, fantastic, brilliant, excellent. I find myself just reeling off loads of superlatives and adjectives that all essentially say the same thing. Recently, I did an interview with someone who asked me this question. I responded with my usual selection of superlatives. There was a pause, and then she asked, and then you won it again for the second year running. How did that feel? Again, what can I say that is interesting other than just think up some more positive adjectives? After I tried to come up with as interesting an answer as I could about winning for the second time, she then proceeded to read a list of other awards that we'd won, and then asked me how it felt to win those. I completely exhausted my superlative supply. Plus, what did she expect me to say other than what I'd already said in answer to the last two more or less identical questions? I thought about making a joke about the fact that one of the frustrating things about winning these awards is that it leads to really dull interviews where I have to essentially bore everyone about how it feels to win the awards. In fact, people would probably get so sick of me blabbering on about the award that they'll start hating the young'uns, complaining that all we do nowadays is just talk about our bloody awards. Perhaps the real reason that the Folk Awards voters have given us the awards twice in a row is because they actually hate us and think that the best way of getting us off the folk scene is to keep giving us awards in the knowledge that it will then result in us having to talk about the awards non-stop on the radio to lazy journalists and presenters asking the same questions and thus eventually it will lead to everyone getting bored and pissed off with us. Oh yes, Folk Awards judges, I am on to you. We got a message on Facebook this week from someone saying, Loved what you said at the Folk Awards so much that I've tattooed it on my chest. Not being able to see the photo, I had no idea what it was. Had he tattooed the entire speech on his chest? I mean, that would have to be a big chest. Plus, it would be pretty expensive, as we spoke for over two minutes. In actuality, it was a line from Sean. Fork can be easily translated into one word, and that word is welcome. While I am thrilled that someone has been so moved by those words to have it tattooed on their chest, I am also aggrieved that I have written over 100,000 words so far in these dollops, and yet no one has found a sentence in all of that content that has inspired them to have some of my wise words tattooed on their body. I think a good one would be, I wouldn't imagine it would taste very nice. Where you have it tattooed is down to you. Although clearly, for extra hilarity, you should have it on your genitals. Then, if you happen to meet a fellow dollop fan who you were attracted to, you could use the dollop-based tattoo as a way in, helping you take things to the next level. I actually love the dollop so much that I got one of David's hilarious catchphrases as a tattoo. Really? Wow! Can I see? You would then have essentially been given permission to pull down your pants, and you don't have to feel awkward about it, because they asked you to show it to them. 
Then, when your love interest saw your genitals emblazoned with the words, I wouldn't imagine it would taste very nice, they would obviously find it hilarious, but also potentially arousing. You could then both have a bit of a giggle about it before you said something like, I mean, <laughs> there's only one way to find out. You would both continue to nervously laugh at the absurdity of this situation, but it wouldn't be long before you seduced them into giving you oral sex. Et voila! A dollop-based sex tip for you there. If you're a man, you could get a tattoo on your testicles, reading, David's Daily Digital Bollock. Obviously, it might be quite painful to get your testicles tattooed. It would require a hardcore dollop fan, and it would certainly require some balls. Ah, oh, I am so funny. Come on, I am well worth a tattoo. On Sunday morning, the newly married Sean and Emily went on their honeymoon to Mauritius. I joked in my best man speech that Sean spends most of his life in the company of me and Michael, and that, so rare is it for Sean to spend more than a week away from me, he will probably be all miserable in Mauritius without me, and start getting withdrawal symptoms. I imagine that he will spend most of his honeymoon dreaming of being back with me in a cramped van, trekking the roads of Britain, then sharing a cramped dressing room in an art centre with me, before standing around a microphone with me on stage for 90 minutes, and then rounding the day off nicely by us falling asleep in the same bedroom, or sometimes even in the same bed if someone at the venue messed up the room booking, or if Sean begged the person booking the room to put us both in the same bed and then pretend that it was an accident. Yes, I'm on to you, Mr Cooney. Sometimes literally, if it's a small bed and we both roll over at the same time. It seems though as if my joke wasn't that far off the mark, because when checking my web stats yesterday, I noticed that there was one visitor to my site from Mauritius. It is clear that despite the beautiful scenery, the hot climate and the company of his new bride, he is nevertheless pining for me, as is illustrated by his visit to my website. This is very touching. Fear not, Mr Cooney. We shall be back in that van soon. Maybe I should have kept quiet about this, as perhaps Sean keeps the fact that he is listening to these dollops a secret, fearing that Emily will get jealous. After all, I already spend most of my life with him, so she probably just longs to have him to herself for once, without me getting in the way. But she's already started getting suspicious. She's noticed that while they've been away, he will lock himself in the bathroom for ten minutes every day, wherein she hears the sounds of his stifled laughter. She is growing suspicious that the laughter is being caused by the hilarious content that he is hearing from David's Daily Digital Dollop. So, if you could all just keep quiet about Sean's clandestine dollop listening and refrain from mentioning this to Emily, then it would be very much appreciated. Of course, there is a chance that it's actually Emily who is listening to or reading these dollops. Or maybe both Sean and Emily listen to them in bed, like Catherine Roberts and Sean Lakeman. I hope they aren't using this dollop as an audio aphrodisiac, like Catherine Roberts and Sean Lakeman do. That will be a bit disconcerting. I've spent the day looking for some samples and songs that I need for the young'uns in the mix. I knew that I had them on a CD somewhere, which I was convinced would be housed in the shoebox full of old CDs that resided underneath my bed. So I got the old shoebox out and started to search through the CDs. Hours later, I still haven't finished rifling through the CD box because I got distracted by the contents of each CD. On one of the CDs was a lot of diary entries from when I was at university. Even though these were personal diaries, I still wrote them in proper sentences and used some rather flowery language and big words at times. I also included jokes and even gave the entries titles. I've wasted an entire day looking through old entries and it's getting a bit late and I've still not finished today's dollop or done anything else, so I thought that I I'd share one of these entries with you. So here goes. This is the 7th of April 2006. It's called When the Chips Are Down. 
We went out this evening. We started in Weatherspoons. We all wanted food and so we were intending to take advantage of Weatherspoons beer and burger deal for £3.99, which, as well as comprising a beer and a burger, also comes with chips. However, not today, because they had run out of chips. So we attempted to haggle with the man at the bar and asked him if he would supplement the chips for onion rings, but he refused to acquiesce. Perhaps we should have punished this man's unjust intractability by going elsewhere, but we'd already bought drinks and we were hungry, and so, despite our collective disinclination, we paid an additional 60 pence on top of the £3.99 in order to get onion rings. So Weatherspoons were well up on this deal, given that they'd got more money out of us without having to provide chips. And to add salt to our wounds, the obstinate barman will probably be rewarded for this unscrupulousness. His seniors will likely see this as a job well done. But there was further insult to be added to injury. When our meals arrived, we had each been given a mere three and a half tiny onion rings. This was hardly a worthy substitute for a portion of chips. This means that one onion ring cost 18 pence. And a half! A bloody half! They actually had the cheek to snap the fourth onion ring in half. Tick, tick, woof, woof. I hear the sound of watchdog. After our night out, we were feeling hungry due to our miserly meal earlier. While many of the less street-smart students would no doubt conclude their nights out with a takeaway, we were more cunning than that. We craftily took advantage of the newly opened casino deal, where, in a bid to seduce you into gambling, they furnished you with complimentary sandwiches and chips. As long as you don't actually gamble, but look as if you might gamble any minute now, then a plentiful provision of sandwiches and chips will be yours for free. And all you have to do to have avail yourself of this deal is to be a member and it costs nothing to become a member so it's completely free but you can get even more food for free from the casino as long as you are shrewd if you order sandwiches and chips together then you get just that but if you order sandwiches first and then once they've arrived get chips you get crisps with the sandwiches as well sandwiches crisps and chips all for free. Sadly, it seems as if this really isn't the week for chips, as the casino had also run out. We considered asking them for onion rings as a substitute, but we thought it might be prudent to avoid bringing too much attention to us, lest they should cotton on to our scam. There was a group of girls on the next table who got chatting to us. I think they were impressed by our rebellious ways, noting how one of us would periodically sidle over to one of the machines, pretend to do some gambling for a minute, and then come back, protesting loudly against how the casino had won yet again and taken more of our money, and saying things like, Oh, well, I guess there's no such thing as a free lunch. This was designed to convince the casino staff that we kept coming back here time and time again and keep getting seduced by their free food into gambling and losing. This meant that we'd be heartily welcomed back next time. A few of my friends were getting on really well with the girls, and a number of them left together. It was now just me and my flatmate, who was in a relationship, sitting at the table. Everyone else had left with the girls. I might have gone into a deep, brooding depression that, yet again, I had been completely ignored and dismissed by the girls while my friends had been successful. I might have felt sad and lonely, were it not for the fact that they had all, in their haste to leave and have sex with each other, left most of their sandwiches on their plates. The idiots. I ate my way through them, imagining how pissed off and jealous my friends will be when I tell them about all the free sandwiches I ate last night, which they could have enjoyed themselves if they hadn't been so foolish as to leave with those girls. How they will rue their reckless decision. And so... I left the casino, safe in the knowledge that in the great game of life, I am clearly a winner. 
So bearing in mind that this is a diary entry, I'm very much writing as if to someone else, as if I've got an audience. After all, why did I bother to explain the whole casino scam in great detail, given that I already knew about it because I was the person writing about it? Perhaps a subconscious, psychic part of me knew that one day I'd be embroiled in a challenge to write a blog every day for the next year, and there'd be some days that I'd be stuck for ideas or waste the day looking for things on old CDs, and so I wrote the diary entries as if I was addressing an audience so that I could simply paste it straight into my blog years later. Well done me. I'm sure that I also had the foresight to realise that failing with those girls would be much funnier than if I'd succeeded, and so deliberately sabotaged my success with them. It is a little bit disconcerting to note, just like in these dollops, I spent quite a lot of my diary making jokes about being unpopular with women. Maybe nothing much has really changed in those years. Maybe I'll discover other similar subjects cropping up in my diaries that I've talked about regularly in these dollops. Perhaps I wrote an entry about kettles. I'll keep you posted as I continue reading. While browsing Twitter today, I noticed that a few people were tweeting with the hashtag remove a letter, spoiler book. I don't know where this hashtag came from, but nevertheless, it set my mind to thinking, and here are some ideas of books that would have a very different feel if just one letter was removed from its title. The Holy Bile. A heavily abridged version of the Holy Bible, edited to only include those passages that reference bodily discharge in some way. Here are a few example passages. These are genuine biblical quotes. Ehud reached with his left hand, took his sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out. Classic quote there. Another one. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So, when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord. So, he took his life also. Next one. Yet, she increased her prostitution. Remembering the days of her youth, when she engaged in prostitution in the land of Egypt, she lusted after their genitals, as large as those of donkeys, and their seminal emission was as strong as that of a stallion's. Another one. When a woman has a discharge, and the discharge in her body is blood, she shall be in her menstrual impurity for seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. <laughs> and finally... If there is a man who lies with a menstruous woman and uncovers her nakedness, he has laid bare her floor, and she has exposed the floor of her blood. Thus, both of them shall be cut off from among their people. These are passages that you probably won't come across too often if you go to church, as it's not the kind of subject that a vicar would want to do their Sunday sermon on just before he and his congregation head home for a lovely Sunday roast. But this book is the ideal gift for anyone who loves reading about blood, gore and shit, but wouldn't read the Bible because they hate all that boring stuff about being nice to one another. My next suggestion, The Da Vinci Cod. While away on business, the controversial and widely contested fish communicator, Turbot Lingdon, receives an urgent late-night phone call. Ling Ling! Ling Ling! calls his phone. It's Mr Lingdon's idea of a hilarious joke, but this phone call is certainly no joke. For his good friend, dilettante fish communicator and owner of one of the world's largest fisheries, has been murdered. A couple of days later, Mr. Lingdon receives a letter written to him by his recently murdered friend, which predicts his own murder and outlines the reason for it. Accompanying the letter is a computer disc, which features a series of fish communication recordings. 
Mr. Lingdon and his friend claim to be able to interpret what fish are saying by analysing the pattern of their swim. The letter had intimated that he was receiving some highly interesting messages from the fish, in particular the cod, yet he had been unable to fully understand what they meant. But recently he had been sent a death threat that warned him that, unless he stopped meddling in these things that he didn't understand and quit his job at the fishery, he would be killed. After days of painstakingly analysing the fish messages on the disc, Mr Lingdon finally uncovered that the messages were spelling out the names of paintings by Da Vinci. After weeks spent consulting these paintings and constantly rereading the fish messages, he begins to slowly decipher hidden clues within the paintings, which seem to be referring to the location of a vastly important religious relic hidden for centuries. But he needs more information from the fish. The person who murdered his friend must have discovered what he was doing and therefore killed him in an attempt to keep the location of this ancient artefact hidden, or possibly to discover it for himself first. So, under the cover of darkness, Lingdon breaks into the fishery in order to have a clandestine conversation with the fish. But Mr Lingdon is not alone. He reels in horror at the sight before him. Hundreds of fish are being tortured by a man who is shrieking at the fish to swim and to reveal their secrets about the hidden relic. One of the fish, a cod, is being slowly cooked by the evil man. The fish is still alive, but his seconds are numbered. The man has a pike fish in a tank, and he is screaming at it to reveal where the location is, or his friend the cod will be cooked to death. But the tortured cod being cooked in the pan begins to swim an impassioned defiance swim and when the man looks around he is horrified to see that the cod's dying words to his fish friend are don't tell him pike what will happen who will uncover the ancient religious relic first and how many fish will die in the process find out by reading the epic da vinci cod David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 134. Kitty Cafe. This is a bit of a different kind of dollop to normal. I've been so busy today doing stuff for the young'uns in the mix, and I've been trying to write a blog, and it just, the ideas were taking quite a while to come, and I was getting a bit frustrated. And normally what happens in those circumstances is I just keep persevering. But not today, it's now 20 past seven, and I just thought, you know, I thought we'd do something a little bit different today. Instead, for a change, I would do a dollop on the walk. I'm starting to feel quite self-conscious about it. I am holding a mobile phone because otherwise it would just be a case of me talking to myself. I wasn't talking into anything. Even if I was talking in a digital recorder, it would probably look a little bit odd. So I'm talking into my mobile phone and I'm wearing some microphones which are housed inside my ears. They're called binaural or binaural microphones. And so the idea behind them is, if you're listening in headphones, you'll be hearing what's going on as if you were listening with my ears. If that makes any sense. It's not quite stereo. If you put headphones on, you can hear sound, not only from the left and right channel, but technically you should also be able to hear it from above me as well. And also, you should be able to hear it from like behind me and in front of me. Feel free to listen with headphones and you'll get a kind of three-dimensional experience. I mean, not necessarily in terms of quality or content, it's been quite one-dimensional at the moment, really. But in terms of audio, you'll get a kind of three-dimensional effect there. So, oh, that would have been a good test if I wasn't talking all the way over it. You should technically, if you were listening to headphones there, you should have been able to hear the sound of the car, which is on my left. Uh, you should have been able to hear that almost travelling from in front of me to behind me. So the next time a car goes by, I'll stop talking and we'll see if you can hear that. Oh, there's a one coming now. No, there's not. 
This is brilliant. You'll be probably listening to this going, why the hell is it called Kitty Cafe? He's not talking about anything. I'm like, I'll get around to it. Hang on, there should be a car coming. Ah. Unfortunately, the cars are quite irregular on this road, by which I mean they're infrequent. They're not like deformed or anything like that. It's quite a strange street. Everybody's driving deformed cars. Well, you can't call them deformed cars anymore, can you? Political correctness gone mad. Differently gifted cars. Oh, so there, listen, if you can. Well, that looks, look, seems a bit weird now. He's stopping. Although I forget, I'm on my mobile phone, so it'll just seem like I'm having a conversation with someone. Although even if I was having a conversation with someone, it's a bit weird to stop in someone's driveway and go listen to that. Have a listen when, on headphones, and you should be able to hear sort of a more three-dimensional quality. Anyway, I've been trying to meet up with a, my friend Ruth for some time, but it's been quite difficult to do, because I've always been gigging and stuff like that, and then on the occasional days that I've had off, she's either not been free, or then sometimes she has been free. There's been quite a few times where we've agreed to meet up, and she said she's free, and then right at the last minute, on the day of meeting up, or the day before, she'll just call and say, I'm afraid there's been an emergency at work. I've, oh, hang on, there's a, there's a car, but it's not going the way we were thought. Um, there's been an emergency at work, I've got to go in, urgently. That's happened a few times, which I might believe, if it wasn't for the fact that she's a gardener. I mean, how many emergencies can you get, you know what I mean? She's a freelance gardener. She's not a freelance gardener, obviously. I've just been hilarious there. It was, wasn't it? It was good, that bit. So we've had the cars, and we've had that gardening joke now. So that's two little jokes there, two jokes in the space of, what, what 10 minutes? Uh, I think it's not going too badly. Oh, there's a car coming. I'm so excited about the car, it nearly ran me over. Right, here we go, listen, see what you can hear. So technically, you should have heard that coming from behind me. You should have been able to, oh, there's another car coming. So that one passed behind me to my right. Anyway, this <laughs> is sounding very nerdy, isn't it? Oh, that was nice, nice rustle. Hello, Russell. <laughs> three jokes now, three jokes. Back to why it was called the Kitty Cafe. Oh, yes. Now you're talking. Right, here we go. This is going to, you're going to hear it now. Let's see what happens. If he's going to move. Come on. Are you going to move? Oh, I think he, I think the driver might be wondering why I'm stood right next to the car. Just stood there as soon as he started his engine. Maybe I'm, I might have to move on, fortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. That's a shame, isn't it? So he's now on my right, because I've turned round. Here we go. So you should hear this coming towards me, and then you should hear it past my head. Like, you... bloody hell, he's got a, bloody hell, it's a creaky uh, undercarriage. The car doesn't sound so healthy either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some weird jangly music going on as he, as he leaves. Like it's his sort of exit music. It's quite uh, cartoonish. Ooh, can anyone identify that bird? <laughs> Get in touch, let me know.
Ooh. Ooh, isn't it this? I'm a David Attenborough. Although I'm talking a bit too loud and you can't see what's going on. And I don't know who what the bird is. But if, other than that, very David Attenborough-esque. Anyway, so I probably can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> so I oh know she's not a gardener anyway, she's a nurse. Okay, you probably can't even remember me doing the gardening joke, but yeah, that's where I was. She's not a gardener, she's a nurse. So it is quite a valid excuse saying that something's come up at the last minute. We've been trying to meet since the new year, basically. And uh, this week, I messaged her and said, right, I'm free over the next few days if you fancy having a meet up. She texted back and said, sounds great. And then a few minutes later, she texted back and said, oh, here we go. So you should be able to hear that. Oh, I'm doing this again. <laughs> you should be able to hear that getting further and further away. But also, you should be able to hear it sound like it's getting further away from your head. So, God, I sound like such a geek. So, oh, I think, has it gone off? I don't know whether the recorder stopped working. I might just be talking to myself now. I've just heard it beep. I'm gonna have to go and check. Because, I mean, otherwise this would be a waste of time. Obviously, at the moment, it's been a complete amazing use of my time. I'll just go and check the recording, and then I should be back. Yeah, it's beeping. What, what are you beeping about, you bloody idiot? Let's have a look. What are you beeping about? Yeah. Right, I've checked the recorder. Unfortunately, the memory's running out on the recorder, and the only way I can delete it is to go back home and then delete some stuff off it and come out and do this again or at least continue the story so I don't know whether I'm going to be bothered to be honest it's like 8 o'clock now and I've you know what I mean oh here's another car at least you've at least you got to hear some cars eh <laughs> it's been completely worth it Kitty Cafe Revisited. So I thought I'd try doing the audio version again. I'm not going for a walk this time, I'm just holding a digital recorder in my hand in my room. I thought I'd tell this, try and tell this story in audio form because uh, I think it'll work better than trying to write it down. <laughs> if I learned nothing from yesterday. Just because I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little bit of acting. I don't really want to script the dialogue. I'm gonna improvise, I'm gonna do some acting here. <laughs> Let's get ready. I've been trying to meet up with my friend Ruth since the new year and there's always been reasons why we can't meet. I've been away gigging quite a bit and then she's been doing stuff with work or then she says she's free but then the last minute something always comes up. She'll say something like, oh there's been an emergency at work or something like that. I've got to go into work urgently which is a bit weak because she's a gardener. <laughs> I know, I know. Even funnier the second time, isn't it? She's a nurse. So that's where we were up to yesterday. <laughs> I think that's literally all we were up to. I called her earlier this week and I said, right, I'm free if you want to meet up this weekend. She said, oh yeah, great. And then a couple of minutes later, I got a text message and I thought, here we go, the backtracking. And it said, uh, I think we should go to the Kitty Cafe. And I messaged back and said, what the hell's the Kitty Cafe? And she said, it's a cafe in Nottingham where cats are allowed to roam free. Cats roam among the diners. And basically people can stroke the cats and pick them up and that kind of thing. And I thought, is she saying this deliberately to put me off? Because I think that's, if I was, if it was a date, which is not, but if it was a date and you drunkenly said to someone, oh yeah, yeah, we should definitely go on a date. And then you realised, oh no, I, don't, I really think that was a bad idea. I'm not interested. You think, how can I let them down? Oh, 
I'll just say, should we go to a cat cafe? And they'll just think I'm weird. Then the onus is on them to think of an excuse. But obviously I thought, oh, this would be brilliant for the dollop. So we're off. We're off to the kitty cafe. I'm going in the next half hour. As things stand, there hasn't been any excuses or anything like that. So the kitty cafe. On their website, the kitty cafe is... Kitty cafe is a rehoming and care facility for cats from a variety of different backgrounds. From rescue cats to strays and cats which have medical issues. We take them in and look after them. So I don't know whether it's maybe because the, the cats are a bit down and out they're on the streets they haven't got jobs maybe they train the cats up to be waiters I don't know I mean that would be pretty good wouldn't it both sides of Kitty Cafe are fully wheelchair accessible which I think is absolutely brilliant because some of these cats some of these cats have got medical issues a lot of rehoming centres for cats don't actually provide wheelchair access so you know those cats have to be carried around or whatever but it's absolutely brilliant it's really technological so I'm really looking forward to seeing cats zooming around I hope there is some cripple cats I want to see some cats with disabilities not for like a you know it's not the kind of thing I like oh I love to see disfigured cats I just want to see them zooming around in the wheelchairs absolutely brilliant I assume it's electrical wheelchairs because you know their paws will get stuck in the, the wheels if they have to manually do it themselves but I mean I'm sure they've thought of this I mean there might have been a few cats of broken arms and then they thought <laughs> arms I wonder what other modifications have done maybe they've got like electric cat flaps obviously the cat flaps would have to be bigger so you can get the wheelchair through you know like electric automatic cat flaps so that the cats can just get in there maybe they've got ramps up to the trees so if the cats want to climb the trees and they're kind of looking envious at their other cats the able-bodied cats now they can get a wheelchair ramp up there then it says we have a number of house rules which you must adhere to while being in the cat cafe and unfortunately it's like a photo pdf so i can't actually open that that's an avenue for interesting exploration there I think the house rules <laughs> do not stroke from the bottom of the cat to the head of the cat always stroke down from the head the cats do not like it the other way there's also a list of the names of the cats as well and uh, some of them have got interesting names we've got Hugo we've got Bill we've got Ted we've got Robbie Jupiter we've got Eclipse so they kind of range in names between like matter of fact Marie Robbie to Jupiter Eclipse Luna but they and I think this is just adding confusion. Yeah, they say they serve a range of food. That's the whole point. It's a cafe, fresh food. But then, underneath the menu, they've got a list of cats' names. And they've named some of the cats' food names. Now, some of the names, this is genuine. You can go on the website and you can see this for yourself. You've got marmalade, biscuit, muffin, toffee, pumpkin, pop. I think it's added unnecessary confusion. What was if a new chef works there? Like an emergency chef? Oh, we've lost our chef at the last minute. We need an emergency one. Put something on Twitter. We need a chef to work at our cat cafe. You know, and then a chef answers the call, comes with his apron on, you know, things are. Oh, have you worked it? I've, I've worked with cats before. I know what I'm doing, and I'm uh, and I'm a good cook. That's absolutely brilliant. You see, uh, you've worked with cats as well, so you're, you're used to cats. Oh, I'm used to cats. <laughs> Don't you worry about me, yeah. So I'm not no problems with cats, and I'm a really good cook. Right, brilliant, yeah. We'll just be... Uh, doing the accounts in the office if you need anything crack on have a good first day at work oh brilliant thanks a lot right then let's have a look at some of these orders uh, half an hour later how are you doing any uh, problems no 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 problems at all uh, things are going really well just starting to serve the first batch of meals oh brilliant brilliant what have we got well someone's ordered toasted muffin yes it's in the oven now it smells a bit weird is it, is it burning what the hell is it no no it's not burning I think it's I think it should just be done to perfection actually I'll just get it out of the oven now let's have a look what the bloody hell is that? What do you mean? What the, what the hell is it? 
It's toasted muffin. That's a pretty cat. You've oven cooked a cat. What did you expect? Toasted muffin. That's what they asked for. That's what I get. He's a feisty one, that muffin, isn't he? <laughs> he put up a right fight, he did. You're not meant to cook the cats. What do you mean I'm not meant to cook the cats? You you asked me if I was good at, with cats. I said I know how to deal with them and I'm a good cook. I just meant you're not allergic to cats or anything like that. You're not frightened of them. Oh, and what the hell's in that pot? In that pot that you're putting on the plate, the gloopy thing. Oh, that's, uh, that's marmalade. What? She asked for toasted muffin with marmalade. Oh, my God. You've killed marmalade. Marmalade, my precious marmalade. Oh, my God, I, I think I need to sit down. Oh, well, what the hell's going on here? What's in this pot? What's in this pot bubbling away here? Well, someone asked for pumpkin soup. And what's in this oven? Oh, that. Now, that is a delicacy. That is sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> So, so far, you've been at work for an hour, and already you've killed pumpkin, marmalade, muffin, toffee. See, there you go. Could you imagine me delivering that while walking down the street yesterday? I think that might have been a little bit weird. I mean, it wasn't. It was weird enough just stopping and listening to cars, but I think actually shouting about killing cats might have been a bit weird. So I'm heading off now for the Kitty Cafe, and I'll tell you all about it on Sunday. The Kitty Cafe was enjoyable, although probably just as a one-off experience. Disappointingly, though, there were no cats zooming around in wheelchairs. The house rules didn't do much to make the human diners feel welcome. The first line of the rules basically told us that we should remember that we have entered the cat's home, and that we should be mindful and respectful of that at all times. We were also informed that the cats weren't there purely for our amusement. We then got a list of things that we weren't allowed to do. No picking up the cats, no pulling the cat's tail... Don't push the cats off the chairs. Don't prod or poke the cats. I was starting to think that this is going to be no fun at all. I mean, I'd come all this way and I wasn't even allowed to pull the cats' tails or knock them off the chairs. We were also told not to feed the cats, yet there was a sentence later on in the rule book that informed us that our food is our own responsibility and if the cats jumped on our tables and snaffled anything, that it was our own lookout. We were then charged £5 upon entrance, which was simply a fee to sit in the cafe and didn't cover the price of any food. When I first entered the cafe, I didn't begrudge this £5 charge. After all, wheelchairs for cats can't come cheap, but the fact that there wasn't a wheelchair-bound cat present made me feel a little bit cheated. Perhaps I could have done a bit of negotiation. Maybe if I'd paid a little bit extra, they might have let me pull a tail or two, or knock a couple of cats off some chairs. If you go to the kitty cafe, then it might be worth inquiring about this. Also, you might want to check in advance of going whether they've actually got any feline wheelchair users currently in their care. When we arrived at our table, there was a cat lying on my chair at the table that I was meant to be sitting at. I knew that it was frowned upon to knock the cat off the chair, so I considered that I might be standing and eating, while the cat sat on my chair and probably stole most of my food as well. But then I realised there was nothing in the rule book that said not to sit on the cats. I remembered that the rules had stipulated no prodding or porking, and so, not wanting to break the rules, I am a stickler for the rules, I made sure that there were no sharp objects in my back pocket that could potentially come into contact with the cat, thus causing it to be prodded or poked. Then, I sat down. The cat quickly vacated my chair. David Eagle won, cat nil. I met all the stars from yesterday's dollop, you may remember. Toffee, muffin, marmalade, pumpkin. I thought about trying to get a photo for the dollop of the four cats standing around me. Or perhaps I could have the cats lying on the table while I held a knife and fork poised over them, as if I was about to eat them. But I couldn't think of a way of getting all four cats into that pose without breaking several of the kitty cafe's house rules. I managed to eat most of my food before a cat bounced onto the table and ate the rest of my salad. I only got into trouble once from a member of kitty cafe.
cafe staff as I forgot about their no-stroking-with-your-mouthful rule. Ruth got into trouble for leaving the table before the cat had finished her meal, which apparently was terrible manners. We overheard a bit of a spat between one of the diners and a member of Kitty Cafe staff. The man must have yanked one of the cat's tails because the waiter bounded over and said, Get your coat, you've pulled unless the man had actually been propositioned by one of the cats. And the poor bloke, despite his complete sexual disinterest in cats, was forced to go upstairs to the cat's boudoir and make love to it, which may have been one of the rules written in the small print section. I would have asked, but I didn't want Ruth thinking that I was interested in having sex with cats, so I remained silent on the subject. I can always go back another time. So, if you don't mind sharing your food with a load of cats and being treated as a second-class species where cats rule the roost, then the Kitty Cafe is the place for you.